chapter six of natalie page this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. natalie page by katherine haviland taylor chapter six the second bracelet the whole mystery really began the next afternoon but i must begin by telling of what happened in the morning i got up and met my aunt she sent for me and i went to her room where she dressed in a beautiful negligee was eating her breakfast she looked a little tired and white but she didn't let herself seem so when she talked my dear child she said we are so happy to have you here sit down not there dear that's a frock i've had sent up on approval and one doesn't like to crush them more than so much i was so sorry i couldn't meet you last night but i was persuaded to stay downtown and go to see something light with a group of friends so seldom have an evening free not that blouse jane now let me see you natalie stand up i did so and she said hum in a lingering speculative way i didn't feel very comfortable well we must go shopping she said with a sigh jane go ask miss evelyn to be kind enough to come here a moment jane vanished and my aunt went on looking me over some grey mixture for your day frocks i think she said at length with your grey eyes yes grey and we'll look at something soft in rose and in pink for evening lovely hair you have dear like your mother's but it looks more like new orleans than virginia i wonder whether there was creole blood in your mother's mother's family i said i didn't know and then evelyn came in she spoke to me pleasantly although carelessly and then to her mother the way she spoke to her was not pleasant what is it she almost whined i was right in the middle of notes mother i wanted you to telephone mrs lethridge guth tell her i'm indisposed can't play this morning this child will have to have some clothes evelyn looked at me she most certainly will she admitted i should think some of that braid could come off before you go out aunt penelope nodded got a scissors and i slipped from my frock then i sat down and began to rip off the braid which i had so painfully attached my dear child evelyn broke out after a look at my arm where did you get that have you been in my things i hated that last and i suppose i showed it for i know my head went up and i answered coldly that i said is the jumel bracelet and it is mine it belonged to my mother almost forgotten it said aunt penelope let's see the thing i slipped it off and handed it to her evelyn's father had one like this made for her said aunt penelope he had tiffany send a man up to the jumel mansion and make drawings of the mate of this which is in a case by the painting i think eve is a little annoyed at your having the real one while hers is a copy and aunt penelope looked shrewdly at evelyn and laughed a little how silly of you mother said evelyn hotly i'm nothing of the sort and then she spoke of the dent in mine and handed it back to me 
you could see she thought mine was very unimportant after that she asked some fretful questions about what she should say at the telephone and laughed a little out of sorts said my aunt as jane came back with her street things late hours you know we'll have to get you something that you can put on immediately for there's a friend of your mother's coming in to tea whom you must see dear old soul not that one jane mercy my girl can i never teach you no the grey after my aunt had dressed for forty-five minutes she was at last ready to start and we did but we didn't go down to the shopping district by motor for aunt said that took too long so we walked a little way and then went in the subway which was hot and that made every one look sleepy and yawn aunt penelope bought me a great many things and enough underclothes to change every day they were very pretty and i must say i did enjoy trying on the soft things i was to wear in the house at night there was a white crepe de chine with a broad yellow sash and hand embroidered scallops done in yellow around the collar the woman who sold us things who had a beautiful voice and it was very polite and complimentary said beautiful with her hair and skin the two are a rare combination and my aunt said yes let me see that grey with the rose girdle and she bought that too and then she bought a rose-coloured dress which was untrimmed except for broad collars and cuffs of scrim and a plain heavy white dress untrimmed except for buttons and stitching and she bought stockings to match all these she selected shoes for me skirts for me morning frocks as she called them a motor-coat a suit and several hats all of which were very plain and a squashy black tam made of lovely soft velvet i could only gasp oh yes i almost forgot she bought brushes and combs for me too and a little tiny brush to brush my eyebrows with i almost fainted and all that took us quite a while of course we had lunch in the store but i didn't enjoy it much because my aunt selected it and naturally it was nourishing which always detracts from the interest of food and then we went home as we walked down a side street i saw the loveliest white house on a hill and realized it stood only a few blocks from aunt's i asked what it was and found it was the jumel mansion some of the things had reached home before we had those that we bought first and it was while i was standing and gazing rapturously at that pink dress that i saw the note it was scrawled on my telephone pad and it said do not wear the jumel bracelet today. it is my wish that you do not e j i read it two or three times and then i went to the drawing-room jane was dusting and i asked her what i wanted to know jane i said what was madame jumel's first name i can't say miss she replied but if she is important you'll find her in the new york guide perhaps i thanked her and went to look it up and i found that madame jumel's name was eliza well i'd heard of spirits writing but i hadn't believed it before and i really didn't believe it then i thought it was a joke but i decided i would go over to the jumel mansion for a few moments if my aunt would let me i felt as if i must so i asked her and she said i might for just a little while i put on my new suit and the tam which i had worn home 
defiantly clasped that bracelet around my arm and started and when i got there i found that it was open and that any one might go in so i did and i did enjoy it in the first place it is a lovely old house and it has in it everything in the way of interesting relics that you can imagine it was washington's headquarters for more than a month during the revolution and the room where he slept especially interested me it proved to me that good deeds don't die for washington who did lots of them is remembered because he always did his best and was upright and fine and true and now every little thing that he even touched is kept and treasured i stood looking at the washington relics for a long time and then one of the curators asked me whether i would like to see the door through which the indian braves came to pledge allegiance to washington and i said i would so he showed it to me through this he said they trooped in soft-footed i suppose they were since they all wore moccasins and they carried laurel branches as an outward sign of the tune of their spirits and then he told me that the british occupied the house later they captured it november sixteenth seventeen seventy six to be exact but he said there was no soft-footed approach with them he said they were a noisy crowd who liked their ale i said perhaps they were homesick and had to do something to cheer themselves up i could understand that why he said perhaps they were and he smiled at me then he asked me if i was from the south he said he rather noticed it in my voice and he smiled again i told him yes and then i thought perhaps he would be interested in my bracelet and so i showed it to him and my the confusion that ensued he called every one else who took care of the house and they all came and i had to tell my story at least six separate times and quite an interested crowd of visitors listened and looked at it too i simply told them how it came to me and not about the tragic happenings that it made for at that time i had made up my mind i would not believe in that tale well we stood around talking and then we went over to the painting of madame jumel and near that i saw the bracelet she had kept it was in a little case a great many people admire that said one of the women who stayed there especially the women there was a little spanish woman in here the other day who was simply mad about it all she could say was s incomparable lindo e yo lo deseo which the man said meant incomparably beautiful how greatly do i desire it she said that men liked the washington things best but that women almost always liked the bracelet then because it was growing late i knew i must go although i hated to the people who took care of the house all asked me to come soon again and i said i would for i liked them and the house and after good-byes and a promise to return and show them the bracelet again i hurried off and outside it began i don't know how you know that you are being followed but i did then and suddenly i heard soft scuddy footsteps drawing closer to me at every second i ran and then i stopped for i meant to be brave and face it and i give you my word although not a second before i had heard those hurrying feet when i turned there was no one in sight except an old man who was sitting on the curb and holding out a tin cup he wore dark glasses so i knew he was blind i went back to him did you i asked and foolishly i realized afterward see any one pass i am blind he replied 
and then i said that i knew that was silly to say and that i was sorry and i gave him fifteen cents which was all i had with me i went on and i began to hear those footsteps again coming closer and closer and then ahead of me i saw the man that evelyn said was romantically thrilling and i ran for him some one i gasped is following me he stopped and looked down and i saw that he didn't recognize me and then he looked back as i had and saw nothing there's no one in sight he said soothingly and i'm sure there's nothing to be frightened about perhaps not i answered but if you are going home i'll go with you and then i told him that i was evelyn's cousin and when he said he hadn't recognized me i told him my aunt had bought me a lot of new clothes and i told him quite a little about them because he was sympathetic and easy to talk to he is a little lame and has to use a cane all the time and somehow his being not just like other people makes you want to be kind to him and that or something else has made him very kind as we turned in the apartment house i saw the blind man going along the other side of the street his cane doing the feeling for him and his movements awkward and stiff there are a great many things that are sad in new york which seem strange for so many people are so wealthy now in queensburg no one has much money but no one could go in want for the people who have just a little more than they have wouldn't let them i told mr kempwood a little about queensburg too and he was really interested and that helped me for not even amy will listen to that he rode up to our floor with me and stepped off to wait until i got in then he shook hands and said good-bye as he rang for the elevator he said if that hat is one of the new ones you did well it's a corker i thanked him and admitted it had some sense for you could keep it on if you wanted to make a home run he said i seemed to be doing that when we met and then the elevator came and he went down and i went in remembering his smile so hard that i almost forgot about being followed my mother's friend was there and i liked her and i enjoyed the tea although aunt penelope suppressed my natural tendency to engulf cakes and indicated thin bread and butter sandwiches then amy came in and i went with her to dress aunt told me to bathe and put on one of my soft frocks and to do that each evening at the same hour but not to wear one frock continually simply because i liked it i said i wouldn't and decided to wear the pink one every other evening i slipped off the bracelet and laid it on my bureau when i was bathing i heard a little noise but i didn't pay much attention to it i thought that amy had come in my room to get a pin or to borrow some hairpins she uses invisible ones to make her hair look curlier around her face but when i got out and was doing my hair i saw another note it lay where my bracelet had been on it was written i told you not to wear this my warnings are not given without reason when i deem it wise this will be returned e j End of chapter six